Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it and let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. podcast is for kids, so ask a parent, guardian, before watching, buying, or doing anything, or listening to a podcast. It may or may not like the podcast contenter content, so always ask permission before you do something. But I would say, I hope you all like my podcast, enjoy the things I talk about. On the one podcast, I talk about animals and mythical creatures. On the other, I talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dumbo, Disney, Easter eggs, stuff like that. So I do have like two, I do two characters that have podcasts. One's like a mermaid hybrid. She's like a fairy mermaid creature. And the other's like a person who likes boy and girl things and talks about them, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Dragon Ball Z if you want. So check it out. Enjoy. This is a kid disclaimer. This is made for kids. Always ask a parent, guardian, or someone who is in charge of you before watching, buying, listening to, or doing anything in my podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I also hope you all have a wonderful day and enjoy some of these 
videos and podcasts and to say things that I do. And remember, don't always do stuff you see at home. You should be cautious and make sure it's the right thing for you. And make sure your parents are okay with it or your guardian. I also hope you all have a wonderful, great day, afternoon, and night. And I hope every kid out there is enjoying their free time. And have a great, wonderful day and enjoy my And welcome back. I am your host, the Susan Anime O'Hagan. And today, we're going to talk about Marvel. The world of Marvel. Which, I love comic books. I like both DC and Marvel, so... I'm a little hard to not... I'm a little easier to please than some people, so I got... Origins and beyond inside the MCU, the future of a universe, plus 60 years of Spider-Man. Pop culture powerhouse from the iconic book origins to the retrieving turns in modern blockbuster movies. The heroes and villains of Marvel have captured and inspired generations of fans. Marvel. Context, great power, great responsibility. How many Marvel 10 essential Marvel stories, 18 Marvel TV beginnings, who really created the Fantastic Four, the evolution of Spider-Man, the birth of a Hollywood powerhouse, at the MCU's extra credit scene, a Marvel R's movies franchise, and game interview, Clash of the Titans, Thor vs. Hulk, a Spider-Man Man Summit, Small Screen Adventure, The Sang Chai Effect, What's Next in the MCU, Walk Among the Avengers, That Marvel Magic. Thor, famous played on screen by Chris Hemsworth, made his comic book debut in 1962. A senior Marvel interviews Spider-Man and the Hulk. Follow me back for more. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon I know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now and welcome back. 
I am your host, the Susan Anna May O'Hagan, and this is Gummy Bears Podcast Land. And today, oh, we are going to talk about the world of Marvel, origins and beyond, inside the MCU, the future of the universe, 60 years of Spider-Man. Great powers comes great responsibility. For more than 80 years, Marvel has sought to reflect the real world through extraordinary characters. Since its very first creation, Marvel's superhero universe has purposefully reflect the world outside your window. As Stan Lee famously put it, this idea is so entranced in the Marvel philosophy that the phrase was the title of a collection of comic books stories a few years ago. Originally, the phrase referred to both the approach Lee and collaborator such as Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko took towards their insurance. Break backing heroes as well as their will Willingness to embrace subject matter, ripped as they say, goes from the headlines. <clears throat> as early as the late 60s, Marvel was gaining attention for addressing studio riots and drugs use and issues of the amazing Spider-Man. These days, the world outside our window is even more filled by the Marvel Universe, even before it was bought by the Walt Disney Company in 2009, Marvel had broken into mainstream pop culture consistentness in a way only dreamed of by those connected to the company in earlier, more innocent times with the expression of the ones and corporation investors who's been working expressly towards that goal for years. Of course, even if their steadfast fever had almost driven the company into the ground as a result. As movies such as Iron Man, The Avengers, and Guardians of the Galaxy transform the self-described house of ideas into a dominant force at the multiplex, mirroring the company rise on newsstands and in comic book stories decades earlier. Marvel was forced to deal with an idea central to Spider-Man's origins. With great power, there must also be great responsibility. After chance forming, beloved comic book heroes such as Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man, and the household names, 
Marvel faced criticism for failing to, well, actually reflect the world outside our window when it came to on-screen representation, even as it is, it introduced more radically and uh, diverse characters such as Ironheart, Wiccan, or Miles Marvels in its comics. Marvel movies gave starring roles exclusively to straight white men until 2018's Black Panther, a release which explained the reach of Marvel's cinematic universe even further, the opened the door to such projects as Sang Chai and The Legend of Ten Rings, Miss Marvel, and the upcoming Disney Plus miniseries Secret Invasions. Today, Marvel is the brand that sets the pack in almost the pace in almost every game it moves into. It remains as the case from more than half a century. The best-selling comic publisher in America and it's also behind the biggest box office franchise of all time with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, which doesn't even include the early Spider-Man or X-Men movies. Now, more than ever, we're living inside Stan Lee's fantasy and those of his co-creators, of course. When it comes to pop culture, whether in movies or streaming shows, comics or video games, this Marvel's world, we're just looking at it through so many windows of different types as often as possible and ask for more. Okay, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokie artichokey ad break it's now Okay, how Marvel became Marvel. From cashing in on the earliest comic book craze to reviving the genre and surviving bankruptcy, the realist company has transformed into one of the most powerful pop culture brands in the world. Marvel's Phantom Phantom of Heroes and villains as drawn by legendary artist Jack Kirby in 1970. Opposed below, Marvel Comics and Captain America Comics were two of the company's 
some of my early publications. In 1939, Martin Goodman was looking for the next big thing. By that point, the 31-year-old New Yorker had enjoyed a pretty good run as the man responsible for Lope magazine with titles like All-Star Adventure Faction and Star Detective. But he knew their time was limited. Like any good publisher, he wanted in on the ground floor of the next big thing, making him a perfect target when approached with comic strips created to cash in on the popularity of recent introductions. Caped crime fighters, Superman and Batman, Goodman even had a title in mind borrowed from another of his pulp analogous Marvel comics. When it appeared on stands in late August 1939, Marvel appeared. Marvel Comics number one was a massive success, selling out its 80,000 print run in days. None of the stars of the issue had as yet been parallel in a Marvel Cinematic Universe stardom. However, Although their names re be referred, reused for later, more successful creations, instead the earliest of Marvel iconic multimedia here would show up for another year with a fan favorite suggestion. Goodman knew exactly what he was doing. The company was then known as Timely Comics. One chick, Captain America in his own title in 1940 was a bold move. Even Superman and Batman had first appeared in action comics and detective comics, respectfully, but the characters was more of a gamble for Goodman than it appeared. To secure the characters, he hadn't just given the creators their series, he had also offered them a percentage of profit and staff jobs. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby featured industry giants, young and hungry, at the time accepted. Captain America comics were selling well and everyone at Timely seemed happy for a brief time, upset that Goodman had already reneged on his promise for profit sharing. Simon and Kirby left the comic the company in the fall of 1941, just 10 issues into Captain America's run. The loss of the company's comics editor and art director would have made more publishers take a moment for reflex re reflection. But Goodman had the perfect man in office to fill both seats of sh sets of shoes. As unlikely as it seemed at the time, his wife's cousin, Stanley Lieber, despite his late self-cartered legend, Stanley Lieber was not a man who dreamed of a life in comics. Instead, he was a frustrated novelist and later screenwriter who ended up working for Goodman simply because he needed the money. 
His first official credit in Captain America Comics number three was published in 1941 under the presumed Stan Lee. Lee because he explained later in life he was so embarrassed by the medium that he couldn't bear to have his real name attached. Decades later, comics had made Lieber so famous he legally changed his name to match the persona. Well, that is pretty interesting. I did not know that. You'll have to tell me somehow. I don't know if you can find me. You'll have to tell me if you actually knew that. Despite his lack of enthusiasm for the material, the 19-year-old Lee was made editor-in-chief of Goodman's entire comic line. Roughly the same time he got drafted in the War World II. After three years as an official military playwright in the same division in which Frank Carper, Charles Adams, and Theodore Giggles served. Theodore. The entire time continuing to work for Goodman via mail. Lee returned to civil civilian life to find himself in charge of a struggling comic company trying to survive after the end of the superhero craze. Like other publishers at the time, Goodman attempted to keep his comics line alive by trying anything and everything to replace superheroes in the hearts and in imperceptibly minds of America's youth. As the industry desperately created multiple news genres in a quick section, romance comics, western comics, monster comics, true crime comics, and most famously, horror comics. Ooh, yeah, I love those comics. Which prompted naked hearings about their corroboration influenced on readers, Goodman pushed Lee to jump on every available bandwagon in search of a hit. One finally arrived in 1961 after Goodman had a faithful round of golf with his center part at National Comics Publication. As the story goes, the National Publisher Jack Libuistic L.I.E. B-O-W-I-T-S sent much of the game, boasting about a new comic he was publishing. He found some success rebooting a number of superheroes years earlier. National soon-to-be re-DC Comics put them all in the same series called Justice League of America. Fans were Lee Berwitz shared going wild about the new idea. Goodman returned to the office and told Lee that he wanted a Justice League of his own as soon as published possible. Whether or not the story of the Fable Golf Game is true, Fantastic Num- 4, Number 1, a series featuring superheroes, team fighting a monster like the early JLA stories, hit stands in August. Shortly after becoming editor-in-chief at Time Lee Comics, Stan Lee served in the U.S. Army single crops during World War II, left 
Joe Simon created Captain America with Jack Kirby. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were the first superstar creators of comics. Author and comic books historian Mark Evanier told the Los Angeles Times in 2011. They didn't just have one or two great ideas, they were the go-to guys for the next thing in comics. When the first superhero comics craze fade, Goodman and Lee turned to other genres, romance, western, monsters, true crime, and horror. Comics that changed the genre, Marvel's nickname in the House of Ideas, and these portorial tales back at that swagger. Marvel comic book University is one of the largest ongoing narratives in human history, having run almost continuously for 80 plus years. Along the way, there have been many notable marks or important turning points for the Marvel Universe as a whole. Here are five of the biggest. Fantastic Four. Numbers 48 and 53, 1965 to 66. Just four years after Stan Lee and Jack Kirby launched Fantastic Four, they hit this half-year stretch of greatness that defined what a Marvel comic could be. From the cosmic genre of world-eating villain Glancher and Silver Surfer to the intimate phantom of the classic story. This man, this monster, not to mention the debut of the Black Panther and the Air Force Inso Nation Wakanda. This six month period of creation outputs set the temple for every, template for everything that followed in comics as well as on the big screen. The Dark Phoenix Saga. I love the Dark Phoenix. 1979-80, if the classic Marvel formula mixed soap opera and superheroics, then it's no surprise that Chris Claremont and John Dark Phoenix Saga told in the Uncanny X-Men number 130-137, hit horror fans didn't see the X-Men struggle with a goody-like threat to life itself. They had to process that the threat came from one of the X-Men, and that's before they had to deal with the death of a major hero from the first time in Marvel's comic history. Mountain Massacre, 1869. This was a new frontier when it happened on signal story told across multiple series. The Uncanny X-Men, X-Men Factor, New Mutants, Thor Power Pack, and Daredevil. For three months required fans to buy them all to know what happened. Promoted by an elaborate flow chart of the comics reading Order the Series was doubling down on the completed nature of Marvel Fiction Universe and fans responded. A massive hit. The format would be repeated over and over. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and 
keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ah, break it's now. Fantastic Four became a hit. Lee and Kirby demonstrated that it wasn't a fluke by creating a... Okay. Even as an artist brought different ideas and influences to each creation, Lee's I in their secretism voice bound them together and made the idea of their coexisting inside a shared world that much more believable. Now each character seemed to be resonated with a growing audience of excited fans enjoying the breathless mix of action and self decoration humor that seemed a distant departure from the grow-up self-seriousness on the offer from Justice League and its members. Lee took refuge to the success as the Marvel Age of Comics to catch all team formerly adapted when the new Marvel comic group appeared on covers from the first time with issues. Cover date May 1963, the company wouldn't formally adopt the name for another decade, by which point it had not only aggressively extended its output, a new distribution deal in 1968 allowed Marvel to essentially double the number of comics it could publish monthly, but also gone through a series of personal shifts, most notably Goodman, retired in 1972, ultimately replaced by Lee, who was also temporarily became president of the company around the same time. This means that Lee was less involved with the creation of the comics himself. A new generation of writers and editors raised on his voice and able to offer acceptable familiar had arrived to take his place, just as Marvel had withstood the loss of creators like Kirby and Ditko, both of whom left in the late 1960s after complaining how little credit Lee had publicly awarded them for their work, so it would survive Lee's departure from the editor's side, especially when every issue featured a logo announcing Stan Lee presents at the start of each story, suggesting he was always there in spirit, even as Lee's replacement brought a freshness to Marvel output in in terms of tone, psyche, and street. Studios were introduced throughout the 70s and editors streamlined 
Lise approached into a fast-paced Hatcher-rich house style. The company stumbled through mismanagement and overexpansion with only the licensed Star Wars comics saving Marvel from bankruptcy. In the late 1970s, the illustration as editor and chief Jim Shooter, a comic for who'd been working in the industry since he was 14 and saw himself as a spiritual success to Stan Lee turned things around, but at a cost. While Shooter's instinct and imperative appeared to parallel what fans wanted, his realistic themes on storylines align many writers and artists throughout his nine-year turn. Ultimately, Marvel went from a turbulent 1970s into a hugely successful 1980s in part due to the rise of specialist comic stories that brought back brought books on a non-returnable basis. While training casual readers to comic books every week for more as new standards and subscription sales fell. This so-called direct market became a far more luxurious replacement making minor celebrities out of creators of fan-favorite stories. <clears throat> a higher price for little cost. Under the publishing Paragram, Marvel felt confitted fit, enough to lean into its so erratic, increasingly publishing more and more self-reflected material that required buying multiple series in order to understand the complete narrative arc of story. Again, fans voted with their dollars in favor. All of this made Marvel an attractive prosperitable for purchase. Goodman had sold the company to the Perfect Film and Commercial Corporation in 1968, which in turn sold it, sold, sold it in 1986 to Divine Movie Studio, New World Entertainment three years later. New World itself was purchased by in Esther Ron Pullman, who saw in Marvel an opportunity to build his own Walt Disney Company. By 1996, Marvel was bankrupt. The CBS series The Incredible Hawk, starring Lou Ferrey, was Marvel's first live-action success. Adventures on TV. Marvel, Mike Hears, has a long and occasionally forgettable history of small screen. When Marvel first took its colorful comic book heroes to television in the 1960s, cartoons were the obvious choice. The Marvel superheroes and authority featuring Captain America, the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and the Spider Mira debuted in 1966, and over the next few decades, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the X-Men, and others all got the spotlight in general, well-received, kid-friendly adaptations. Live-action promoting didn't fear 
quite as well with one real hit coming in from one of the Incredible Hawk, the CBS series which starred Bill Bixby as Dr. David, Bruce Banner, and Lou Forshin as Banner's tutorial Angry Persona. Ran for five seasons from 1977 to 1982. The unmarkable Amazing Spider-Man of the late 1970s will affect the opposite end of the success spectrum. Following the launch of Marvel Cinematic Universe, the company once again set its sights on live-action TV with its Marvel Television production company. Whew. The intervention was intention was for this new genre of shows to tie in directly to the stories of the blockbuster movie. First on top was the 2013 launch of Marvel's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which followed Phil Collins of the strict homeland intervention emergency and longest division on the big screen Collins helped to assemble the Avengers team in the ABC series the presumed dead Collins lead a team of agents as they navigate mysterious powers impact cases I think it's impossible that everybody understands that Marvel is one universe. Marvel Television had Joseph Lebo said before the show debuted, so it doesn't really matter to us whether or not it's publishing games, animation, cinematic universe, or what we're doing on television. What's important to us is the character. That we're what we're doing is telling the story about the real world. As long as it has that, we'll try to follow the continues as best as we can through the show's plots and corporation key events on the film, like the revelation that the Hydro organization had long ago inflicted S.H.I.E.L.D. and had the occasional pop-in from a minor film character. The show and its cast never crossed into the larger cinematic universe during its seven-season run. Marvel Television tried to branch into multiple areas during its near decade of extentless binging off beloved film supporting characters, ABC's uh, Agent Carter, and creating program sets within the X-Men universe, Fox's Logan and the Fox's The Gifted, animated shows, Marvel featured Avengers, Marvel Spider-Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Dale Daredevil ran from the three season on Netflix. Cox made a surprise cameo in the 2021 film Spider-Man No Way Home. Young adult Hulu's reruns and freeforms Cloak and Danger and an ABC family drama, ABC's Inhumans. But the best swing came with Marvel partnership with Netflix, which began in 2015. The streamer ordered four individual series, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, with the heroes teaming up in the limited series, The Defenders. There was also the Daredevil spin-off The Punisher. Though the Netflix show achieved some 
critic acclaim, Jessica Jones became the first Marvel title to score a Peabody Award. All of the shows were canceled by 2019. Marvel Television was folding in Marvel Studios that year, and as the company opted to finally direct its ties, its TV shows to film world and put the creative leadership under one umbrella. The fun of the MCU is also obviously all of the crossovers that we can do between series, between films, studio. Marvel Studios presents Kevin told SFN Plus in 2021. It will always vary based on the story. Sometimes it will go into a second season, sometimes it will go into a feature, and then back into a series. I know one series that I liked for Marvel was WandaVision, and I'm like, I want another series on WandaVision! I want more WandaVision! It was like a perfect combination of all the old TV shows based on with all the new. Well, I hope y'all like this. Have a great weekend. I hope y'all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast.